Buffalo fans, this is Justin Cox. Cameron Kennedy. And we are the Between the Uprights NFL show. Well, last week, we finally had a week that just left us kind of all in awe. We had a lot of really, really good high-profile games. Had a couple teams that we were expecting to rebound that didn't. And we've got some really fascinating storylines to go over, as well as uh, get you guys ready for the next play of games. So, without further ado, let's get to it. Starting off with... Did you see that Monday night game between the Chiefs and the Ravens? That was really, really surprising to me. I, I thought the Chiefs had a really good chance to win, but I was really impressed by their defense. What about you? Oh, same. Their first touchdown the Ravens scored was a kickoff return. They basically shut down Lamar Jackson most of the game. I think he only threw for, what, 90-something yards? And yeah, 90-something yards. Yeah. And Mahomes just went off. And you know what's bad when... Lamar Jackson afterwards and sit, comes out and says, the Chiefs are just our kryptonite. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, I, I saw a meme online immediately after the game that I thought was pretty funny, but it was pretty true also. It said, someone tell the Baltimore Ravens that it's not January yet. <laughs> so, watching this game, I was the Chiefs gave me on offense everything I expected. I thought both teams would be in the 30s. I, I didn't really see anything to take away from this other than, wow, the Chiefs' offense is good, as expected. The thing that really shocked me, though, was the defense. As you alluded to, the uh, Ravens had 20 points, and seven of those were on a kickoff return touchdown. So anytime you can hold a Lamar Jackson offense of 13 points for a whole game, that's just quite a bit. And, you know, teams that have done this in the past are teams that are built for the defense and the running game. That's not something you can necessarily say about the Chiefs. Right. Instead, the Chiefs are built more like the old school Colts with Peyton Manning. Pass it 50 times a game. Run it whenever they really need to, but not because they want to. You know, try to outscore the other team. This was just a really interesting showing, in my opinion. Now, where do these two teams go from here? The Chiefs have AFC supremacy. In my opinion, I think, barring an injury, that they've got the number one seed locked up. And that is huge. Because now the Ravens are fighting for the two seed. But remember, expanding the playoffs this year, they will not get a bye if they get that two seed. I think that could end up being a massive factor coming down the stretch. Because now, basically, the Chiefs have to lose two more games than Baltimore to be able to lose that one seed. I don't see it happening because I thought these two teams were pretty even coming in. And, you know, even if, okay, bad uh, week for the Ravens, then, you know, even if Chiefs have one of those, they still have that onesie locked up because of the head-to-head tiebreaker. Yeah. Now, that was the battle for the AFC, but one of the main battles for the NFC also took place this week. This one was on Sunday night, and it gave us everything that we were expecting. The Packers beat the Saints in the Superdome in order to gain the, what I personally view as the upper hand in the overall NFC playoff race. Now, what did you take out of this game that impressed you or surprised you? Shockingly, it was the receiver that came out of nowhere. Devontae Adams is out. So I was like, oh, no. Dyer goes with their chance of winning this game. And I don't even know his name. I tried to pick him up in fantasy. Something weird. Alan Lazard. Yeah. Uh, 13 catches, over 140 yards. Okay, do your thing. Aaron Rodgers, again, playing amazing. I don't think he wins MVP because Russell Wilson is just playing out of his mind right now. But my main concern is the Saints. Drew Brees, where did you go? You're not looking anything like last year. Yes, Michael Thomas is out, but you still have Emmanuel Sanders who's barely doing anything. Your defense is crumbling. I have big concerns for the Saints, and honestly, the way they're playing, I don't even think they make the playoffs. So, for me, 
the thing that was really uh, interesting with the Packers was, as you alluded to, Devontae Adams was out and Alan Lazard went off. Now, as we know, over the offseason, it was a very contentious point that the first-round pick for the Packers was a quarterback. Mm-hmm. The second-round pick was a running back that was going behind Aaron Jones. So they didn't go out and get any wide receivers for uh, Aaron Rodgers to play with. However, after the showing from uh, Alan Lazard, it appears that they might have still found their guy. Now, granted, he's not going to be your number one wide receiver. When Devontae Adams comes back in, he's going to get the lines here at the targets. But if Lazard can at least be a solid wide receiver too, that's right. all that Rodgers and this Packers team needs in order to make a serious run in the playoffs, if not win a ring. Right. For me, on the same side, yes, Breeze is he he's got some serious issues. But on the other hand, Alvin Kamara, holy hell, man, he looks like Christian McCaffrey did last year. Yeah, what do you I'm want from him, by the way? Fantasy league, <laughs> and he just absolutely went off. I think he had like 43.4 fantasy points. Hey, I'll give you Christian McCaffrey for him right now. <laughs> yeah, which is just an absolutely ridiculous number. So I, that was the one thing for me that really surprised me on the same step. Overall, from a game standpoint, this was what I expected. Another shootout, another close game. But there were some definite things to take away from it. Now, in the early games, <laughs> one of the most interesting was the Falcons found a way to do it again. Last week, they blew a 29-10 to 10 lead to the Cowboys. This week, they blew 26-10 lead in the fourth quarter to the Chicago Bears. Now, you're on the ground there in Chicago, Cam. Tell us what you saw. I saw a total collapse, not even just defensively, offensively as well. Finally, the Bears decide to bench Trubisky. Apparently, Nagy's had enough. I I thought this would happen in game one, but they rolled him out for two and a half games, and it didn't work. But Nick Foles is better. But how are you going to let a quarterback come in and throw three touchdowns in, what, like five minutes? And let them beat you. Again, you blow a huge lead. And even then, the game wasn't over. Matt Ryan threw the laziest pass I have seen this year. No one even, like, he's a veteran quarterback. You know better than to put it where the defender can get it. And you let the Bears come off and walk off the field, up. Now they're 3-0 and you're 0-3. The Bears are not that good. So the thing from the Falcons that really surprised me, Field Yates had a stat on this. Coming into this season, no team had ever blown 15 or more fourth-quarter leads Twice in the same season. The Falcons just did it in consecutive weeks. And as you noted, Trubisky was taken out and Foles is now the starter for the foreseeable future. Thank you. Yes. We all talk about how, you know, he's big dick Nick and he's got he's the goat and all these memes. But he's really when you look at him, he's really not the quarterback you want to be lighting you up. No, he's not, but he's better than Trubisky. Little bitch Mitch. That's what I call him. Yeah, I mean I mean you're not wrong on that. But Still, at the same time, it's like if your defense is getting lit up by Nick Foles, that is a really sad sign. And I, I think this is a very serious co- cause for concern, not just for the Falcons, but for Dan Wynn specifically, because over the offseason, he fired his offensive coordinator, he fired his defensive coordinator. Usually, you don't see a coach fire both of their coordinators and still keep their job. Somehow, Dan Quinn didn't. And now, with him being a quote-unquote defensive mind when he came in from Seattle, where he was their defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boomers, it's 
it is falling hard on him. So, so question, do you he's think... got to right the ship on that side of the ball. Otherwise, he's going to get fired before Thanksgiving. So do you think it's the fact that they have a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator that that's why they're 0-3? Or do you think they're just falling apart as a team? I think they're just falling apart as a team. Because the thing is, if, if it was blaming the offense coordinator and the defensive coordinator, you wouldn't see him building up these big leaps. You'd see him struggling out of the gate. True. And this team for three quarters has been looking really, really solid. So for them to just completely choke was really surprising to me. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, how have you not learned after the Super Bowl, after last week, to stop playing not to lose? The game plan was working. Stop switching it. Stick with the game plan and win a fucking game. Yeah. It's not that hard. There was a great meme on Facebook. It's like, it was the guy with the girl. And the girl was a W, and the guy had, like, a Falcon symbol on him, and he's looking back, checking out another girl that had an L on her. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is too good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Falcons, obviously, as we know, blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. It turns out they're not the only team capable of blowing a 28-3 lead. They're just the only team capable of doing that and losing. The Bills blew a 28-3 lead at home against the Rams this week. Then when Josh Allen came alive and was able to lead a last-ditch drive down the field to win 35-32, this was probably the wildest game of the day, in my opinion. What did you see out of it that really stunned, uh, stunned you? First of all, I was pissed off because I was almost perfect on my picks until they fucking came back and won that game. But Josh Allen, okay, you're the real deal. I see it. I think he's second in the league in passing yards right now. He's continuously getting racking up running yards. I, I think they need to incorporate Diggs a little more, and maybe it won't be as close as they've been winning. But I think they're going to make some noise this year. They might even make... If they keep playing like this, and they get better as offense and defensively, like, consistently, I think they could give the Ravens a run for their money. So here's the thing with the Bills. Josh Allen, we've been wondering if what we saw in the first two weeks was the real deal, or if it was, you know, due to them playing the Jets, the Dolphins. What we saw was that it is more a factor of him just taking a leap than a fluke. Now, granted, he choked down the stretch in the second half, but then he did come alive and become clutch. The one stat from this game, though, that really stood out to me, the Rams outgained the Bills on the day. Buffalo was 5-for-5 in the red zone scoring touchdowns. Efficiency at the end of the day usually beats yards, especially if turnover battle is even. And that was really what made the difference here in this one. The Rams had several trips down the red zone where they came away empty or came away with only three points. The Bills were efficient. That is a thing to look forward to going forward because if they are that efficient down the stretch, then they're going to be a legitimate third team at the very least in the AFC, if not one of the top two teams and might even speak way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, going from efficient teams, good play calling, to the absolute opposite. The Philadelphia Eagles punted for a tie against the Bengals. I will repeat that last sentence. The Eagles, one of the top-notch picks to be the NFC champion coming into the season, punted for a tie against Cincinnati. This was just mind-blowing, wasn't it, man? <laughs> Well, I guess you know what they say. If you can't beat them, tie them. Oh, wait. That's not a thing. But I mean, you have to say, what in the hell was that play call? I mean, I guess they didn't want to lose to the Bengals, so at least a tie isn't as bad. But, dude, you're 0-2-1. and 
Let that sink in for all you Philly fans. Oh, two, and one. I don't know what is going on with this team, but something's got to change and quick. If you don't even make the playoffs this year, which is looking like a very strong possibility that they don't even make a playoff. Either one yeah. set, you either need to get a new coach, a new quarterback, both. Give Jalen Hurts a start. He can't hurt. You're not playing good anyway. Stop yeah, using him as a, as a running back to where you can get hurt and give him a shot. You draft to him as a quarterback. Use him as a quarterback. Yeah, the thing that really caught me off guard but there was surprising to me with this Eagles team, I like Flynn's at quarterback. I like Doug Peterson, the head coach. I like how he rose at GM. The problem is, though, this Eagles team has no offensive line and has no weapons. And it's really hard to win a game when you're on your back. That, at the end of the day, is the problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. You cannot win a game when you're on your back. Now, I do want to say, though, what was up with that play call? So you got, what, 11 seconds to go? You have a fourth and seven. If you kick a field goal, it's a 64-yarder. Now, mm-hmm. I understand not wanting to go for it. Had that uh, been made, it would have tied the NFL record. I personally don't think Jake Elliott's got the leg to be able to make it a 64-yarder, so not kicking a field goal makes sense to me. But why not go for a pass? If you're punting the ball, I'm, I'm sorry, what are you doing? You gain nothing from it. Yes, okay, you can say maybe you end up with a tie. But does that really feel like a tie right now for any Eagles fans out there? No, that feels like a loss. So if you're going to lose the game anyway, you might as well make an effort at the end of the game. I was just speechless. And, and the wild thing is, too, so it'd be really easy to write off this team. They're 0-2-1. But the NFC East overall record through three games is 2-9-1. and one. They're not out of this yet. Somehow, they are still only a half game back of the league in the NFC East. Because the it's, Cowboys only have one win. Yeah. So they're tied. I mean, they're, aren't they tied for first with the Redskins right now? Or my bad, the football team. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. And <laughs> honest God's truth, like I, I, I don't know, man. Last year it looked like this was going to be one of the worst divisions in NFL history. Somehow they got worse. <laughs> I, I almost I say the Cowboys are better than their record seats right now, though. I agree with you on that. And moving to that, the Seahawks just barely beat them in a high-scoring affair this weekend at Central Link Field in Seattle. Now, this was a very high-scoring game. The final was 38-31. It was one of the more exciting games of the day. What were your takeaways? Well, Russell Wilson's still playing out of his mind. Give the man his MVP now, please. Tyler Lockett, monster game. DK Metcalf, please stop being an idiot. What was that play? Yeah. Yeah, just get the ball in the end zone from you in the one yard line. That reminded me a lot of Deshaun Jackson's 2008 against the Cowboys. Yeah, not only that, but they punch it out of the back of the end zone, which is a touchback, which means they get the ball in the 20 yard line. Now you're not even in scoring position. You're smarter than that. You're a better receiver than that. Quit showboating and just get the ball in the end zone. But the Cowboys, they played their heart out. I'll give them that. Dak looked good. That I didn't agree with that last throw. I think that was stupid. Nobody, nobody was close to sacking you. Get your feet set. Find an open man, and don't just throw the ball up for the d- defense to pick you off in the end zone. So with Russ this week, he is now at fourteen touchdowns on the season. He should have had fifteen, uh, which, as you alluded to, is the drop touchdown from DK Metcalf. And his only pick of the season was came directly off of Greg Olson's hands. So on real realistically. He should have 15 touchdowns and no interceptions. He'd be on page for like 74 touchdowns this season. Now, nobody's going to be able to keep that up. I won't say no one. Hey, um, the NFL touchdown record is only 60. 
I mean, even if he breaks the record, he would still drop off by 13 touchdown passes. Records are made to be broken. And the other thing is, too, this this is completely different from what we expect on offense from the Seahawks. For years, we've watched a Pete Carroll Seahawks team that was built through the running game, through a power running game, the defense. Defense flat out sucks this year. And the running game isn't getting it done really either. So it, it's really impressive that they've let Russ cook. But at the same time, it, it's just been kind of a culture shock, at least for me, watching their games. Now, while the Seahawks team is completely different from what we've seen, you know who is exactly what we've seen? The yeah. Cowboys. Mm-hmm. This team looks the same that they did last year and the year before that and the year before that. They can't win the, the close games. And the year before that. Now, what that means is they're good, but they're not great. Yet again. They look exactly like the Jason Garrett era. Honestly, God, the best way I can describe them is it's like if, if you want Chinese food and you go for Panda Express instead of going for PF Chains. Like, it's decent. It's going to get the job done. But it really ain't what you want if you've got the budget to be able to afford the PF Chains. I mean, that's really what you're getting to with the Cowboys. They've got one of the richest owners in football. They've got one of the best stadiums in football. You are playing in a tax-free haven in a franchise that you would think people would want to go to, given how storied their history is. And yet they just can't put it together. And, you know, we've seen coaching staff change. We've seen quarterback change. But yet somehow, someway, this is always the exact same thing. Yeah, I agree. It's problematic. Now, it's concerning. Like, why can't you win a close game? You're in it the entire game, and you just choke. It's like exactly like with Tony Romo. You can't, he can't perform in the clutch, and when the game's on the line, he throws it to the other team. Now, that was the game that we expected in the 425 time slot. What we didn't expect at the exact same time was the Lions upset the Arizona Cardinals for their first win of the season. Yeah, are you okay? loss of the season. This really surprised me. Why about you? It definitely surprised me. I don't think your boy's winning MVP anymore. Three pick? Pretty bad. So here's the thing. I, I think this is probably just a bump in the road. There are going to be bumps they're going to have. I don't think this is a s- systemic thing, but it's really concerning when you throw three interceptions against Detroit, mm-hmm. and it's even more concerning when Matt Patricia just got his 10th win and he's been the coach there for three seasons. Yeah, they snapped an 11-game losing streak. Yeah. Like... And yes, okay, part of that's due to them starting Jeff Driscoll and David Blau last season. Yes, okay, the Lions are maybe more confident than people expect. But at the same time, this just this just is not what you want. No. And again, I'll say it, Texans, what were you thinking? Every single game this year, DeAndre Hopkins has caught the ball for over 130 yards. Every game this season. Just let that sink in. Yeah. Yeah, and yet they the Texans let him go for David Johnson in the second the pick swap. And the court. Texans are 0-3. Yeah. Now, part of that being 0-3 for the Texans, I think is part of the due to their schedule. They play the Chiefs, they play the Ravens, they play the Steelers. I think those are probably three of the top four teams in the AFC overall. But they were but, beating the Steelers handily and still lost. Yeah, and there, there are signs for concern with those Texans team. Now, for the final game for the 1 o'clock slot, the Patriots shut down the high-flying uh, Las Vegas Raiders offense for the first time this season, won 36-20. Now, Bill Belichick's specialty has always been taking out top weapons, and as a result, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs did literally nothing all day for this Raiders team. The Patriots' offense is still looking really solid, though. Now, I know you're a uh, big Cam Newton fan, so I'm going to let you take the floor on this. Why did you see out of that Patriots' offense? 
I saw a great run game. Honestly, if it wasn't for the run game that game, they would have lost. Cam Newton was struggling in the passing game, which, I mean, he's not going to go off every week. I don't expect that. But Rex Burkhead, three rushing touchdowns. Do you, man? Do you? I was not expecting that. I wish I had him on fantasy for a week, but I didn't. <laughs> and I think I don't think that'll happen again, but it just proves no matter what, no matter what game plan the defense brings, Belichick will find a way to to show your vulnerabilities and exploit them. And that's what they did. They couldn't stop the run, so they kept they just kept running it down their throat. And if the passing game was the concern that he exploited, I'm sure Cam Newton would have went off. But they couldn't stop the run. The defense swallowed up Waller and Josh Jacobs, like you said, and they came away with the win. I'm I'm really high on this Patriots team this year. I do think they make the playoffs. I think I had them going like 10-6. and six. I'm going to stick to that. I think they can go 10-6. and six. And Cam Newton came out and said, this is a business trip for him. I don't think he expects to be there more than a year. We'll see. I mean, he's playing great. They could sign him to another contract and see where it goes. But he hasn't even moved his family to New England. Like, they're all back in Charlotte still. Quite possibly the biggest surprise for me from all the games on Sunday was I'm a big fantasy football player in PPR leagues, point for reception leagues. Rex Burkhead out of nowhere was the number two running back in fantasy on Sunday. Right? That blew my mind when I saw that stat. And our league is a free agent. Nobody has him. Well, yeah, because, I mean, do you really want any piece of that Patriots backfield? No. They have, like, six guys that they rotate through. Honestly, there's there's not a single player in that backfield I would touch. Now, I mean, yeah, okay, if you want to say Cam Newton's part of the backfield, go ahead. I, <laughs> He's on my bench. He only got 11 points. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't include him as part of that. But, like, I there's a reason why you don't touch the backfield is because just for random reasons – one week, they'll have someone just completely go off. And this week, it was the Rex Burkhead game. Now, that was for last week. We're going to move on to our storylines for this week. Got some really interesting stuff. The first thing I want to talk about. Now, this originally was not even on the outline because we I made the outline yesterday. However, today, we're recording this on Tuesday. There was a huge storyline that broke. The Titans had three positive player tests and five non-player positive test for the coronavirus, meaning that the Titans' facilities have been shut down until Saturday. They play the Vikings on Sunday. uh, The Vikings' facilities have been temporarily shut down as well until testing can be conducted, and their game against the Steelers could be in jeopardy as a result. Why do you think about the protocols from the NFL on this? Why do you think it's the right move for the uh, Titans, for the Steelers, for for everyone involved? Honestly, I say cancel the game this week. Give them the two weeks to quarantine, get better. If you need to, make it up before the playoffs. But you got to be careful because if this thing has a massive outbreak, you're jeopardizing the entire season for two teams. I don't think that would be right. And I think if they get a, if they get a handle on it now, it won't be a big issue. But if they let it go and these teams play next week, it could become a major issue that they can't contain. So looking at statements from Roger Goodell today on the uh, outbreak, what becomes clear is the the NFL plan for this. Now, the uh, Titans by week, I'm going off the top of my head here, and I might have the team split, but I want to say the Titans by week is week seven and the Steelers is week eight, so they could flip one of those games and then play it on the other week. That is completely possible. The other thing that could end up happening is – you can end up playing the game on Monday. 
And if that happens, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not on my betting slip, but if they play this game on Monday, since the Titans cannot practice until Saturday, put every penny that you can on Pittsburgh. Because with not having the time to prepare, Pittsburgh's going to eat that team a lot. Yeah. Now, going forward, I I will say I was kind of surprised when, uh, that the NFL took as, as quick precautions as they did. With this, I was kind of impressed from the NFL, if I'm being honest. It's not something I expected from a Roger Goodell-run organization, but it was the right call. And the main thing is going to be making sure that no Minnesota Vikings have it so that it is just controlled to one team, and then you can just go from there. Because it's a lot easier to handle it if only one team's got it than if suddenly if two teams have it. Yeah, I agree. Now, moving on. Well, it was the number one storyline. Chris Carson in that Seahawks-Cowboys game, still running back for the Seahawks, got injured on what was a really dirty play that is causing controversy this week. While Carson was on the ground, Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill did a, what is called a gator roll with his name. And fortunately for Carson, it uh, ended up being only an MCL sprain. It could have been a tear. It was only a sprain, so it's only going to be out a couple of weeks. But why do you think of this play? Do you think it reflects on the Cowboys? Do you think it's more on the player? What What was your take on this? I didn't see it, so I can't talk too much on it. But I do think the Cowboys have been known to be a dirty defense. And I saw a lot of weird, dirty plays this week that could have been avoided. Like the Tariq Cohen 20 CO. And yeah. I bet you haven't been tackling in a while, but you still know how to tackle. Like Once you, once you know how to tackle, it's muscle memory. So... There should be no excuse for these dirty hits. There should be no excuse for injuring people and ruining their seasons. Well, here's the thing, though. So I've, I've seen the play quite a few times. It wasn't even really on the tackle. It was just while they were on the ground. The best way I have to describe it was the same injury that hurt Felipe Franks for the Gators last season in the Kentucky game. That's really the best way I have to describe how Carson got hurt. I saw the play. And I was really surprised that it wasn't a tear because seeing players get hurt like that, that's usually what the result is. He really dodged a bullet there. His season could be over. He's now only going to miss a week or two. That That's a huge lucky break. And I mean, as you alluded to, the Cowboys have brought in players in the past that have been notorious for dirty hits. So... Part of me is like, I wish the culture was better. The other part of me is like, yeah, but when you've got some of those guys on your defense, that's going to be what happens. Yeah, I agree. Now, mentioning top-notch defensive players or interesting defensive players, Earl Thomas finally might end up having a team. Nope. According to reports. Nope. So that has changed. Uh, there's ESPN. Houston Texans don't plan to sign safety Earl Thomas seven hours ago. Wow. See, that's how quickly things change because – I see was that he was coming into Houston. Yep. And then Yahoo Sports, Texans declined to sign Earl Thomas after talks with the Pro Bowl safety. Apparently so now Jerry Jones is looking at him. Interesting. I wondered if that was where Earl Thomas was going to go because uh, whenever he was released from Baltimore initially. Because if you remember right, when he was still playing for Seattle, he was specifically yelling, Jerry Jones, come sign me, when he got injured in the Seahawks-Cowboys game at Jerry World a couple years ago. And he's fr- he's from Texas. He's a very very good safety. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys released Haha Clinton Dix over the off season as part of their like uh, training camp cut. So as soon as they did that, I was wondering if they were going to make room for Earl Thomas. It sounds like they might be. 
And but I think uh, the big concern with him is the attitude and the not wanting to practice. Exactly. And if the Cowboys make the move on him, or if the Cowboys don't make the move on him, do you think anyone will? No. If the zero and three Texans won't sign you after talks, it's pretty safe to say you're probably not getting signed. Yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. Now, that's on the defensive side of the ball, or on the offensive side of the ball. We do have a really interesting storyline that developed during that Falcons Bears game. We talked about it a little bit. Mr. Trubisky got pulled in the third quarter. Nick Foles came in and led the team back. Uh, head coach Matt Nagy has come out and said that Foles is going to be the starting quarterback for this week. Um, do you think that this is the officially the end of the Mitch era, or do you think that he could still potentially find his way back in the starting line? I hope not. It's He's one of those players that is just so frustrating to watch. I get you have a good quarter, a good two quarters, but then you disappear. As a quarterback in the NFL, you cannot disappear. You have to be consistent. You have to play four quarters. You can't play two quarters and decide, hey, guys, I'm just going to stop trying. I'm not. I'm sure that's not what he, what he's thinking or what he's trying to do, but he just disappears. I don't think either one of them are the answer for the Bears. I don't think Foles is the answer. He's the lesser of two evils. He's kind of like the last two elections. You got to go with whoever whoever's better for the situation now, but neither one of the options are, are working. And yeah. I think they, they need to really look into the draft this year and try to get somebody. 3-0 right now, you're not going to get a great pick, but you could still falter and you could get a top 10, top 15 pick. Look into quarterbacks and figure something out. God, I hope they don't draft Kyle Trask, though. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I don't think Foles is the man for the future. For one, he's a bit too old for that. For two, he's better as a relief pitcher than a starting pitcher. Yeah. My drift. Also, though, I, I do want to say – I was never a fan of Mitch. I was not a fan of him at UNC. Same. I was not a fan of him in the draft. I have no idea why the Bears took him at two. Because they're because stupid. They don't know how to run the organization. Because Sean Watson was still available. And look, everyone's going to say, oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is available. If you watch Mahomes at Texas Tech, you would you would have had a hard time taking him at number two. And even more than that, at the time, spread offenses did not have a good track record of, of providing quarterbacks in the NFL, so I, I can't fault him for not taking Mahomes. But we knew what Deshaun was. Yeah, We knew how good he was going to be. You saw Why what he did to Alabama? <laughs> did they not take him? Can you imagine, with this Bears defense, with Allen Robinson and uh, David Montgomery, how good this Bears team would be had they just made the logical move? Yeah, but they're not logical. They're not smart when running this team. And historically, if you look at it, they don't draft black quarterbacks. I don't know why, but they don't. They don't draft good quarterbacks, I'll just be honest. When the best quarterback in your entire franchise history is Jim McMahon. Yeah, and and the second is what, Jay Cutler? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of says everything. Now, that's for our storylines for offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball, but there is one storyline that I do want to cover that's just kind of an oddity. So, usually you think primetime games are always going to be the best games of the week, right? I mean, Not just one. look at last week. Sunday night football, you had Packers and Saints. Monday night football, you had the Chiefs and Raiders. That's kind of what you expect from primetime games. Yeah. However, for whatever reason, Thursday night football got the short end of the stick. Now, um, teams are or all teams are guaranteed one primetime slot per year. Mm-hmm. So I understand putting some of them on Thursday. However, the recent three-week scheduling slot for Thursday Night Football has been just abysmally bad. 
Week two, it was Browns Bengals. Week three, last week, it was Dolphins Jaguars. This week, you have the Broncos who are going to be supporting Brett Ripien. Who? Quarterback. Who? Uh, Brett Ripien. Believe me, if I wasn't a huge college fan, I would never have heard of him either because he hasn't done anything in the NFL. Who do you, quarterback. Who do you going play for? Jets. Going to the Jets and trying to uh, end the uh, fighting fire out uh, fire Adam Gates. So, how do you think this happened? Does someone in the NFL office just hate Thursday night football, or are they trying to get all the out of the way first? I think it's the second one. I mean, honestly, if you're going to schedule crappy primetime games, I'd rather you do it on Thursday when I have school and work to deal with, and I don't really care if I miss that game. But if you schedule it on, like, Sunday or Monday, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to sit down and watch that game. So I think they're trying to get it out of the way when people have other stuff going on. That way, they can save the best games for Sunday and Monday night. Well, part of me thinks that. The other part of me is like teams are more – it's a little bit more defensible to put these bad teams on when it's early in the season and it's not quite clear just how bad these teams are. Now, obviously, the exception is we know how bad this Adam Gase coach Jeff's team is. They are the lowest of the low. I think there's several college teams that could probably beat them right now, to be honest. But Let's go Florida. <laughs> But at the same time, like, this is just beyond bad. Now, fortunately for Thursday Night Football, it does get better. Week six, the Chiefs and Bills will end up playing on Thursday Night Football, okay. which is going to be one of the more important matchups in the, in that, or in the uh, AFC side this season. So things will get better for them, but at the same time, it's just not what you want. Yeah. And moving on to the games for this week, uh, we do have several games to go over. The first one is a game that is completely in jeopardy, but I do want to go over it in case it does end up getting played because I think it's an important game in case it gets played. We have the Steelers traveling to the Tennessee Titans. Now, assuming that they play this week, who would you put your money on? The Steelers. I think the defense is getting better, and I'm not betting against Roethlisberger right now. He's having a good year, and it could be one of his last, so... And the Titans, yes, they have a good run game, but the defense is not there. And I have questions about their offense right now. I'm with you. I've got Pittsburgh as well. I am um, more convinced that the Steelers are a better team and they're a more well-rounded team because it seems like they can run the ball with three different running backs. Plus, Big Ben is Big Ben. He's got a really good stable of wide receivers with Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, and uh, Chase Claypool. And this defense is just like the steel curtain of old days. I mean, so this is actually a complete team. I do have questions about the completeness of the Titans. Even if this was played without the factors of COVID, I think I would still pick the Steelers. Agreed. Now, moving back to your area at Soldier Field, the Colts, who are riding high after just a blowout win of the Jets, where their defense put up 31 fantasy points on Sunday. What the f- is traveling to the Bears. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to go with the Bears. I think Nick Falls is good enough to beat the Colts. I don't think the Colts' offense will be able to handle the Chicago defense. And if the Bears can get the running game going, which has been, I don't even know, but I got to stick with the Bears. It's sad that Mitch Trubisky was the leading rusher last week, but we'll see. I'm I'm going Bears. I think it'll be close, but I think they've somehow found a way to pull off another close one. For me, I'm going to go different from you. I'm going to go with the Colts. 
And it's all because of, can we trust Nick Foles? Yes, I get it. You've got the memes. Yes, I know, you know, he's going to be the GOAT and, you know, you got to make the jokes. But can we actually really trust him? And at the same time, the Bears on Sunday lost Tariq Cohen at running back. Yeah, that's he doesn't really do anything. more important loss than I think a lot of people are going to factor in. And I, for that reason, I know it's a hard game. I've, I've got to go with the Colts. I'm going to go different from you. Okay. Moving down to Dallas, we have a battle of two good, not great teams that we're still trying to figure out what in the world's going on with them. The Cleveland Browns are going to Jerry World to face the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you think ends up winning and why? i got to go with Cowboys. I think the offense is better. Yes, they have a different... The Browns have a good defense, but I think that can exploit the weaknesses. And honestly, if they don't win this game, Prescott, your contract negotiations are out the window. If you start off 1-3 and three and you lose to the Browns, shut up. Take whatever they're going to give you and just shut up. Look, yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go with Cowboys as well. The Browns are good. They're not great. And, I mean, so are the Cowboys too. But I will say I have way more faith in the Cowboys' offensive weapons than I do in Baker Mayfield. Dak, I think, is at least decently good. I think you can prove that. He's not worth $40 million like he says that he is. Right. But he's at least a good quarterback. I've got serious questions about whether or not Baker Mayfield is. And in the game where everything else is equal, sorry, I'm just going to bail the quarterback, quarterback yeah. and the coach. And yeah, so for that reason, I, I've got to go with Cowboys. Now, in the huge battle in the AFC, the New England Patriots are traveling to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you think ends up taking this one to Arrowhead? Upset alert. <laughs> I figured you were going to go that way. I almost didn't, but here's the thing. The Chiefs are running off a huge win. They've had three, two tough games in a row. The Patriots defense is looking really good, and the Chiefs defense is not always there. So... If they can get the running game going and set up the play action for Cam, I think this could be a big upset. So, for the second time in two weeks, I got to do it to you. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> if you're looking for a complete team that can win the Super Bowl and can defend their title and really looks like they are legitimately by far, I would say, the best team in the NFL, look no further than the Kansas City Chiefs. They've got their offense clicking on all cylinders. They finally have found their missing piece. At running back with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They Patrick Mahomes looks is doing, you know, Patrick Mahomes things. And the biggest surprise for me is this defense has just taken it up to a whole nother level. Yes, I know. They went to overtime against the Chargers, but that was also Justin Herbert's first game. And the thing is, you've got to think about if you're a defensive coordinator, you spend all week game planning for a quarterback. Tyron Taylor, who got scratched that late, is a completely different quarterback than what Justin Herbert is. I can guarantee you going into that game. The Chiefs were focusing way more on the run game and then end up having to spend the day defending the pass. That's not likely going to be the situation here with Cam Newton, and even if it is, even if it is, I've got a lot more faith in Justin Herbert than I do in Jared Stidham. So, I, I think that was a complete fluke and an aberration. I don't think that was a cause for concern. I think what we saw in weeks one and three is much more of a realistic picture of this Chiefs team. Andy Reid's got this team firing on all cylinders. I would not want to stand anywhere near Arrowhead right now. I, I think this 
I, I do not think that the Patriots have the offensive firepower to keep this one close, to be completely honest with you. Do I agree with you that they're the best team in the NFL? Yes. But they're also human. They're not going 16-0. and They're going to lose at least one. I agree with you on that. However, my pick is coming a little bit later in the season for where I think they're going to get tripped up. Let me guess, Bills or Tampa Bay? Bills. I figured. Yep. Mentioning the Bills, they have an interesting game at home this uh, this week, or my bad, on the road this week. Going to the city of sin, Las Vegas, to face the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this will be the second game at the Giant Roomba. Do you think the Bills end up winning, or do you think the Raiders end up sucking the life out of this team? <sighs> I think it's close, and if it's any picture of how they're going to play at home like they played against the Saints, I think they have a shot at winning. But I have more faith in Josh Allen than I do Derek Carr. So I'm going to go Bills, but I think it's by three. I've got the Bills as well. They barely avoided losing last week, but what they showed me in that game was resiliency. The Rams are better than the Raiders. I'll flat out say it. The Rams are just better than the Raiders. And what Josh Allen showed me on Sunday showed that he is a legitimate franchise quarterback, which is something I had very serious doubts on for his entire NFL career until that game. Now, while I'm sold on this Bills team, I'm not yet sold on the Raiders. As you alluded to, if they play the same way that they did against the Saints, yeah, they're going to end up being the Bills. But I don't think that's a repeat performance. I think that was more a case of, yeah, we just want to open up the new stadium strong. So I I think that the Bills are going to end up coming in and will be the first road team to win at the Giant Roomba. Now, on Sunday night, our primetime game, unfortunately, is the Philadelphia Eagles at the San Francisco 49ers. These are two teams that are not what we expected coming out of the season. The Eagles have struggled mightily. They're 0-2-1. The Niners, while winning some games, have lost pretty much everyone that's an offensive weapon or a defensive key contributor. So, do you think that the Niners' JV squad beats the Eagles, or do you think the the Eagles find a way to fly high in primetime? I mean, this is hard. This is a game that... Coming into the season, I was circled like, hey, it's going to be a good game. Now, not so much. The Eagles' offense has been abysmal. I think there's still enough weapons for the 49ers' defense to make some splashes and to pressure Wentz. But I think the Eagles pulled off by three. Or they punt the tie again. You never know. (laughs) Yeah, they might punt the tie, but I don't think it's going to get to overtime this time. Normally, I would pick the Niners because if they were healthy, then they would have way better talent at this point. I've seen enough from Philadelphia. I'm not on this team. But the Niners are not healthy. They are beyond banked up. And while the Eagles have serious issues, I think they have enough talent with their varsity squad to pull one off against the Niners' JV squad. The Eagles are going to end up playing this game. Now, for our last segment of the week, we're going to move to the Gambler's Corner. You got to know. And what does your slip look like, Cameron? I do have to say, quick note, I made money on two bets this week that I had absolutely no business winning and just got completely lucky on. I had the Titans over the Vikings, which if you watch that game, it came down the last minute. Titans won 31-30. And then in college football, I had a bet on Army at plus 14.5 against Cincinnati. Army was originally a 13.5-point underdog. But I decided to move them to 14 and a half because I didn't think Cincinnati could beat them by two scores. Sure enough, Cincinnati beat them 24-10, and I ended up hitting that bet by half a point. 
So I, I got two wins last week by a combined one and a half points. Sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. Let's see if the luck continues this week. Who do you have on your debt, uh, game board slip? Uh, Cardinals over Panthers. Cowboys over Browns. Saints over Lions. Seahawks over Dolphins. Ravens over football team. Rams over Giants. And Packers over Falcons. For me, I've got the Colts at minus two and a half versus the Bears. That's the spread on the game. It's got 20 to 23 odds. So on a $5 bet, you'd win $4.34. Second bet I've got is I've got the Bills at minus three versus the Raiders. That is a game spread. It is 20 to 21 odds, meaning that you win $4.76 on a $5 bet. And finally, I've got one parlay for this week. It's a teaser parlay. I've got the Cowboys over the Browns and the Chiefs over the Patriots. Teasing both of those uh, games down to uh, two and a half point favorites apiece. Overall, that is a 1.22 to 1 odds bet, meaning that on a $5 bet, I win $6.13. So that is my gambling slip for this week, and Cam's get a gambling slip for this week. And that's all the time that we have overall for this week. So I'm Justin Cox. And we are the Between the Uprights NFL Show.